What's going on, Just Goes to Show listeners? This is your co-host, Ridge. We're back for another Epi preseason. Yep, footy's back. The boys at Just Goes to Show are back. we got Chess over here on the other mic, as always. And, uh, yeah, excited to, to get into a little bit of the, uh, the preview here for the upcoming season. It feels like uh, we just got done with the Euros in last season. So uh, one thing I you know, love about the Premier League, it just feels like that uh, it probably is the shortest break out of any sport. And uh, it's during the summer, you know, so you don't even really think about it too much. And here we are again, three days away from kickoff. Yeah, I said to my girlfriend Harley, like, uh, the season starts next weekend. She was like, already? Um, and there was kind of like a hint of, I, I couldn't decipher whether it was an enthusiasm or dread in her voice um, for the early, early Saturday mornings where I wake up and just, you know, watch anything that moves. Um, and also, we, I realized we kick off a lot of podcasts by saying, um, like, what's up, boys, or something like that. Like, what's up, boys and girls out there? Thank you for I both. said the boys are back. So I was referring to The boys to are us. back. The boys are back. Okay, okay. I was okay. referring to you the and bo- I. The boys are back in town. You know, is, that the is that the tune? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the one. All right, well, we are back. Premier League is this weekend. I'm absolutely buzzing. Um, kind of a little agenda for what we're going to cover today on the pod. We're going to cover a lot of the moves this summer. So Chris and I have, have come out with a pod or two this summer, but it's been obviously pretty light in the in the off season. So we're going to cover who got better, who lagged behind, some favorite moves, things like that. Um, and then we're going to cover our preview of the top four and bottom three. So who's going to finish in the Champions League places and who's going to get relegated. Um, and then some favorites for Golden Boot and Player of the Year. Um, and then later on, we'll get into our predictor app picks. Just a reminder here up front on the show, um, we did start a new NBC predictor league. If you can use the code S9YQB6 to join the league. Um, again, that's S Y. S9YQB6. That's the NBC predictor app to predict all the games. You get a chance to win 50K in cash. Chris has won some cash. I've won like 10 cents. Yeah, I think, I'm, I think I'm up like $4 lifetime over the past four years of doing it. But I mean, you know, my, my dad's won a couple of times. He doesn't know anything. So it's definitely really easy. It's very random, honestly. Um, but it's a fun thing, and I, I like having our leaderboard. It's a little bit competitive, so it's a good way to get involved. And then you also just kind of know when what games are on, and you're, you're ready for the weekend when you do it. It takes two seconds, so it's definitely a fun thing to have. But, yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's just dive right into it, Jack. Um, any, like, initial thoughts, impressions of the summer window here? Anything that, like, really stood out to you? Yeah, so, I mean, I think there's a, a – I mean, this window has been insane, right? So I think holistically, just to kind of like cover it at a bird's eye view, you're seeing a, a massive shift in in the global footballing landscape um, where there's a lot of financial trouble in La Liga. Obviously, it's well documented that Lionel Messi has just left Barcelona. Real Madrid's lost like of Sergio Ramos. They're having to get rid of some big names that have been in La Liga for a long time. Syria is, you're seeing a lot of assets leave Syria. And during the last, you know, COVID-stricken, you know, year and a half, um, and you know, who who knows what lies ahead, economically, there's been a, a deep impact on a lot of teams um, who relied on different sources of commercial revenue um, and and another revenue streams. Um, and I don't know if listeners can hear that lightning in my background, but that's I, crazy. I just heard that. Um, yeah, that was nuts. Um, uh, but so and that's yeah, that's the world roaring back at the changing in, in footballing landscape. But <laughs> so what you're seeing really is uh, a lot is a lot of cash, um, a lot of cash strong Premier League teams um, that you know have pretty strong infrastructures. Um, you know, a lot of the top four: Chelsea, Manchester City, um, Manchester United. A lot of these clubs have bigger infrastructures. Really, only Liverpool is is the the 
only team that hasn't strengthened significantly. Um, and you've seen a lot of big stars come into the Premier League. Um, and it's this season's going to be absolutely insane. It's probably the most exciting summer where the past couple summers have been kind of like, you know, sellers mark, uh, or, um, sellers markets. This summer has been a, a buyer's market where there's teams who've got to offload players quick um, and for reasonable transfer fees. And you've seen a lot of players move to the Premier League for big, big, big fees. Um, already, Romelu Lukaku is supposed to join uh, Chelsea um, here in the coming days. Jack Rulish with a 100 million pound move uh, laterally in the Premier League. Uh, Kun- uh, Sancho. Kunate, uh, um, yep, Jaden Sancho, um, Rafael Varane. Like, there's just a ton of big names here, especially joining the top four. Um, even trickling down the table, um, a lot of teams coming, a lot of players coming from. Uh, France, Spain, Italy to join the Premier League. So it's going to be a, a fucking exciting season. Yeah, I'm really excited. And I think you're, you make a really good point that there is a definite sense that England is where the money is right now and where the clubs are having some financial success. And I think a lot of them probably still struggled last year, but not in the same way that uh, clubs might have in Spain or elsewhere. Um, and, right. and really, it is Spain. It seems like it was the main country that... Um, guys are just getting offloaded left and right but you know I think it's funny because you mentioned that you know a lot of the top four the big clubs I guess uh, have made a lot of moves or strengthened a lot and they they haven't made a lot of moves Um, you know most of the clubs have brought in like one or two guys but it's been really big moves um, which is interesting you know like you're Mm -hmm. you look at United they brought in a couple players for big fees you look at uh, City splurging on Jack Grealish Chelsea haven't done anything uh, really, except for now they're going to bring in Lukaku, but um, their only signing was Marcus Bettinelli, a backup keep from Fulham. So, like, they haven't really been doing a lot to bring in players and strengthen the squad. It's not really about depth or, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, bringing in a lot of guys. It's just about bringing in the right guys. And so um, I'm excited. I mean, there's definitely some fun names that we're going to be able to watch. Um, I'm still a little bit bummed that uh, it doesn't seem like there's going to be, like, an early Holland that comes. You know, we've already – We've already seen Lukaku in the Premier League. He's very exciting. He's a different player than when he was here before, but we've kind of already seen that. Um, you know, if if City doesn't sign Grealish uh, a few days ago, maybe Messi's got a little bit of a decision to make between PSG yeah. and City. So, um, you know, it's interesting. I think um, it's we're in a very different landscape than we were a year or two ago um, with just what the pandemic has done to a lot of these clubs financially. And so it's really interesting to see, um, you know, there's there's clubs like a West Ham or, um, you know, for instance, like Leeds or, you know, these teams like Villa, a few teams that like seem like they're not too far away um, from being like a top four or five club in England. And West Ham was almost there last year. Um, but do they have the the financial backing to like get into another gear? Um, you know, like West Ham's a team that's going to be playing in Europe this year, and they've really not done much over the summer window, right? So um, it, it's just it's just very different. Um, and then you look at a team like Villa, who obviously they had some um, ability to, to reinvest funds they knew they were going to get from Jack Grealish, but wow, they were like spending left and right. So there's just a lot of like variety, I guess, in what clubs have done this summer. And I think that there's going to be, you know, like last season, you look at the table and there's three teams that were 11 points behind the rest of the pack. And so I'm kind of curious whether or not like the, the top clubs are going to branch out further from the pack um, or kind of regress back to the middle or, or what do you think is going to happen with the table? Because um, we'll get into the top four, but I think that's 
the makeup of the league is the most interesting thing for me. Um, you know, is it going to be, is there going to be a lot of parity? Are we going to see new teams get into the mix because of some financial fallout potentially, or is it going to kind of like stay status quo? I don't know. Yeah, I think I think your point to, if I were to identify who are the teams who have missed this window, I think your point is exactly correct. Where there's a handful of teams, sort of between that 12th place and. Or I, you know, I should, could even say like fifteenth place and and seventh um, last season. Who just there's a handful of teams in there where it's it's going one of two ways, right? You're either putting your foot on the gas and trying to push into Europe this season, right? Generally because you have more, uh, you know, uh, you have wealthier owners, right? Like thinking about Aston Villa, um, or it's the opposite, right? Where you um, and sort of the rare exception to that is is Crystal Palace, which we'll talk about in a second, but. Um, or it's the opposite where, you know, they've stayed very stagnant, right? And so I think, you know, Newcastle hasn't done any business. Um, uh, like Wolves haven't done really any business, haven't brought anyone in. Um, and West Ham haven't brought anyone in. So all those teams have sort of like been around the, you know, the, the, the top 10. Southampton only with Adam Armstrong today. Um, really, that's it. And, that, you know, a loan from Chelsea. Um, so like some of those teams that are kind of hovering around that kind of mid-table range, um, you're not really seeing do a whole lot, right? And I think, again, that's because of the financial landscape of the league, whereas, like, some of the top teams, uh, you know, you see Man City, um, yeah, you see Chelsea, uh, like, offloading a lot of sort of middle, mid-level assets, right, fringe squad players, and then reinvesting that money because it's a buyer's market right now into premier star players, right? Man City offload, or Manchester United, Man City offloading a lot of sort of fringe players on the squad, trimming their squad down a little bit, you know, losing the likes of Eric, Eric Garcia, Sergio Aguero, um, you know, to, to thinking about um, Man City, Jack Harrison left on a, on, on a full transfer, um, and then going to United, um, you know, there's a handful of players who are left from that, from, from that squad as well. Um, and especially from their academy, right? They got rid of uh, Sergio Romero and, and Twan Zabi to Villa, et cetera. Um, saw Tahith Chong and Blues in the, in the championship. So a lot of those teams are kind of thinning down their squads and reinvesting that money at a really, high, at a really aggressive level for big stars, Sancho, Lukaku, Grealish, et cetera. Um, so I, I don't know. What I think of like teams that haven't, um, you know, have lagged behind. I think about sort of the the West Ham, the Wolves, and Newcastle's is sort of the three that come to mind the most. Yeah, I, would um, s- I have one more that I'd lump in there. I'd say Everton, um, and they've yeah, they've, they've yeah, kind of yeah. done a little bit of what you were just saying. They've, they've offloaded a lot of guys. Uh, no more Theo Walcott, Josh King, right. Balassi, um, You know, new manager uh, as well. Bernard, yeah, new manager, and then they've brought in Andros Townsend, Damari Gray, and Asmir Begovic, which. I love Andros Townsend as much as the next guy, but I don't really think those guys are going to elevate that team at all. Um, so you, you hope that they stay healthy and that Rafa brings a, a little bit of a new energy to, to that team. But, you know, it's not really much to get excited about if you're an Everton fan. I guess on the flip side, who do you think has improved the most or done the best business over the, the window here? So when I think about who's done the best business, I think – um, I'll go sort of, I'll go two different angles here. One, I, and I, and I know we have a lot of Homer takes, trust me on this pod. Like, you know, anyone who listens, like, you know, we talk a lot of Villa and Palace. I think the business, um, that both Aston Villa and Crystal Palace have done this summer have been, it's been the, the most exciting summer for both of those teams in a long, long time. Um, Aston Villa's business, although they've sold Grealish, of course, um, they were so precise in the transfer market. 
bringing in new players, and they, they started bringing in players as soon as they knew Grealish was gone. They started spending a lot of that money. I think Emmy Buendia is a star. Bringing Ashley Young's very clever back. Uh, Leon Bailey, I think, is going to be an absolute star in the Premier League as well. Been a really exciting player to watch. Already speaks English, Jamaican, um, and I think Danny Ings is a proven goal scorer, which is I think exactly what the team needs. Um, and Tuan Zabi is someone who's familiar with the team. So I, I absolutely love the business from Villa and love the money that they've spent. And I think they're they're still out there trying to bring in a few more players with the rest of the Grealish money. But I think they've really diversified that squad and um, and made themselves stronger. So I'm really excited for them. I'm also really excited for Crystal Palace because Crystal Palace is. Um, gone with the youth movement um, and not in a way where they've been conservative, right? Not where, like they're going to just play their entire academy. They brought in Connor Gallagher, um, Joachim Anderson, and uh, Mark Gahey, as well as Michael Olise from Reading. Um, those are three, uh, or sorry, f- uh, four, um, sorry, three England under, ni- under 19, under 21 internationals, Olise, Gahey, and Gallagher. And then Anderson's uh, a Danish international who was captaining the Fulham side last season. It was really impressive. So um, a lot of really good young players coming into Crystal Palace, especially on the defensive side um, I, for a team that, you know, we, it's been well documented how they've had the, the oldest team in the league. So I think two huge summers for, uh, summers for both of them with really, really effective moves. Um, in addition, like I... As much as I hate to say it, um, I think that the uh, the business that Manchester United has done, they haven't brought in a lot of signings, but I think the one thing that they've been missing, they've been missing a centre-back partnership with Harry Maguire, um, you know, with Victor Lindelof, and so to bring in Rafael Varane, who's just a world-class centre-back, is absolutely massive, and I think that's really clever. And then Jaden Sancho joins an already incredibly potent English attack with Rashford, Greenwood, Cavani, Bruno Fernandes, like there's just so many goals in that team, so... I think the business that they've done is is it's been their best window in a long time as well. So I got to give them credit where it's due. Yeah, I mean, I honestly don't have a ton to add because those would have been probably the three teams I would have picked out as well. And you know, we we didn't really talk about this beforehand. Uh, it might sound like we're you're right. I mean, like we have to we have to preface the the Villa and Palace things, but um, it's notable. I mean, Villa, you hate to lose the probably the best player of all time for your club. I mean, at least like he's going to be a, a club legend no matter what happens from here on out. But you, you lose that and you bring in so many guys to add to this attack. Um, you know, Leon Bailey, I'm extremely excited about. Danny Ings came out of nowhere. He was linked with a bunch of clubs, not Villa. And all of a sudden, he's, he's announced by Villa, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you bring in, like, I like, I know we talked about this a little bit. I like the Ashley Young move. I think why not bring in a veteran? He's got a lot of ties to the club, obviously. Um, and, you know, I'm sure he'll be a good influence. He could probably just move into a coaching role if he wanted to, like a John Terry has um, for them as well. And uh, I think Emiliano Buendia is uh, a star too. But Palace are interesting because you're right. They're the oldest squad in the Premier League for years. They're the oldest manager in the Premier League for years. And they bring in Patrick Vieira and a, a slew of youth guys who are all kind of proven already, um, maybe not at the Premier League level, but they've all – um, you know, gotten a lot of first team action, and you know, like Anderson was just playing in the the Euro semifinal, and uh, Connor Gallagher is a Chelsea guy, Mark A, he's a Chelsea guy. Um, so I, I think that those are both um, teams that have, have gotten a lot better. We'll see. With uh, I'm a little more nervous about Palace with the new manager. Feel a little bit more confident yeah, with Villa, same. honestly. Um, we already saw a lot of same. Villa without Grealish last year, and as bad as they were going forward, I think these are the guys that they needed to bring in to to fill that hole. So. Um, I guess, you know, I, I would agree with you. I mean, for me, I don't want to jump ahead, but my favorite move, I think, of the entire summer was probably Rafael Varane uh, for United. I, I can't believe that they got him for what they did. It, it, it doesn't really make any sense to me, honestly. Um, £41 million pounds for 
one of the top center backs in the world who, I mean, he's won, what, probably three or four Champions Leagues, uh, won a World Cup. I mean, like... Yeah, yeah. And, and you, pair, you pair him with Maguire, who's been one of the best center backs in the Premier League for a couple of years, just came off a good uh, performance of the Euros, and, like, uh, it's a scary, scary um, center back pairing there. I mean, they've been playing with Victor Lindelof for years, and you're, mm-hmm. you're going from Victor Lindelof to Rafael Varane. I mean, like, holy cow. So that, yeah. I mean, Sancho's one thing. I'm way more, uh, you know, impressed with the Varane signing. I think that was shrewd. For the, that guy is worth more than $41 million when you look at, <laughs> I, I guess I'm jumping ahead again here, but you signed Rafael Varane for $41 million at United or Ben White for $50 million at Arsenal. I mean, I, I, yeah. I understand it's a different type of signing. Ben White's a young English player with a lot of promise, but, I mean, you're signing one of the best center backs in the world who has got at least five years left in him probably, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't understand how they got away with – it just seemed like he was like automatically going United. There wasn't a lot of competition there. So I would agree. Yeah. I mean, who, is there any like particular other names um, of individual signings that have stood out? Because I, I think my favorite are Varane and then probably Emiliano Buendia for Villa. Yeah, I think um, and I think Chris, are you still with me? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, am. cool. Um, yeah, uh, lost you a little bit there. Given this, I think the storm, this insane storm that's happening on my window in Chicago, it's it's actually torrential. It's probably moving um, But uh, thinking about like who I think uh, like my favorite moves, I, I think the the Varane move is obviously highlighted. I really really like the Danny Ng signing um, at. Uh, at at Villa, I think that's really really clever. I think that's exactly what that team needed, and I didn't really see it coming out of anywhere. Um, the other signing as well that uh, that I like is at Leicester City, Pat Sendaka, mm-hmm. um, who they've who, who they brought in. Who you know, hopefully he can try and solve or solve that um, you know the looming age of Jamie Vardy. Jamie Vardy seems like you know every year a year passes, and um, you know he keeps. Keep scoring, and he, but he's getting older every year, and eventually that kind of pace is going to drop off. And Daka looks like he could be a long-term replacement, so I like that signing as well. Um, who, who do I think will be a bust? Um, you know, I'm looking down, and, and I've, I'm kind of off off the bat, like incur, you know, thinking like, I mean, there's a lot of big names who have come in for big money, and it's hard to say that anyone's going to be a bust who's who's come in for you know sub 10 million, right? Like Josh Sargent, who came in at Norwich, is eight million pounds. Um, you know, you look at. Everton, maybe you could say Andres Townsend, but that's a free transfer. Are you really losing that much? Um, I think the what I think, especially for the for you know value for money spent. I look like once again at Spurs, and I'm just confused by the business. Um, I think Brian Hill, um, Brian Gill. I'm not sure how you. I say actually his was going to bring him um, up and do the exact same thing. I was going to say Brian Gill, but maybe Hill. Yeah, well, I think we'll have to wait until uh, we hear it. I think when they're Spanish like that, they pronounce it Hill, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, same. And in Christian Romero as well, both of them coming in for north of 40 million pounds. And like, you know, this is a, a Spanish winger and an Argentinian center back. And I don't know, it, it's it's not like they're bad players, right? Like it's, I quite frankly, I haven't seen them play more than three times live each. Um, but it just, it has that ring of another Spurs buy. And it kind of seems like they're developing a pattern here where they're not going out and buying you know, bona fide stars, right? They're not going out and they're not in the market for Sancho or Lukaku or who, you know, those type of players. They're trying to make a little bit of a living in these sort of like 
fringe Champions League teams, Europa League teams, and trying to pull their best players, right? And so where that gets interesting is like you're not quite getting top talent from the you know a top two or you know a Barcelona or Real Madrid, a top one or two to you know two talent of Iran, for example. But also you're not getting hidden gems. So you're paying a premium for these kind of European players. Um, you're paying a lot of money, 40 million plus, and but you're not getting like, you know, established superstars, right? And and it almost feels like, hey, you can save up those transfers and get a one really big name or don't spend those transfers and just, you know, try and invest more like an Aston Villa or, you know, a Crystal Palace at, at a little bit lower on the table. So it just seemed like they're trying to carve out that spot in the market and they keep doing it time and time again. And just There's a lot of money that they've spent there, the Eric Lamela's, the Steven Bergwines, um, and a lot of it seems to, to not pay off. Um, you know, the best players, a lot of them are homegrown. So, um, yeah, that, those are sort of what I'm, what I'm eyeing I, as potential busts. So it's funny. I actually, uh, this, this might be the first point in the podcast so far that I will have to disagree with you. I actually kind of like both those signings, um, especially Christian Romero. I think that they're, they've been lacking stability at center back, um, you know, since they were, since they had basically the, the Vertonghen, Alderweireld duo that, um, for a while was pretty strong, but I think Christian Romero is pretty proven. He's 23. He's played for Atalanta, who has been quite good the last couple of seasons. Uh, I think he was probably in pretty high demand from a lot of clubs, and um, so I think that they got a pretty good player there. Brian Hill, everything I've read about him, sounds like he is, um, he's got a very, very high ceiling. He's only 20. Um, you know, Sevilla is not a small club. Like you're, you're not wrong. You're saying like you're not buying like top, top talent, but like you know, Rafael Vernon's not going to come to Spurs when they're not in the Champions League. So you have to, like, there's a little bit of a trade-off there. You can't expect them to be competing with the same guys that United and City and Chelsea are when they're not at the same level right now. They're not going to be playing in Europe like that. But I think that they got two good players. Um, I still think that they're probably, you know, like, I think they still need, like, a, another world-class extra like, central midfielder, honestly, in this side. But... It's just hard to say with Spurs because you don't know what's going to happen with Harry Kane, and it all really depends on Harry Kane. So if they're able to keep him and they bring in Hill and Romero, then you, you never really know. Um, but I think that they're already in such an interesting position with their managerial change too that I can't really – I don't have really high expectations for them this season, I would say. But, you know, I think that bigger – I'd be a little bit more nervous if I was an Arsenal fan than a Spurs fan because Arsenal – they just don't and my I don't think they have a very good squad. And they're not coming off a very promising season. They really haven't been that good for a while. They were eighth last year. Um and they had to like really get hot to finish eighth. And they brought in uh, Ben White, who I mentioned. And again, I like Ben White actually. I think he's gonna be a pretty good player, but when you have a lot of areas of the squad you need to strengthen, this is kinda of your point with Spurs and you spend fifty million on a, a center back who has played like less than a full season in the Prem, that's uh, a little bit scary. And then, uh, like Albert Sambi Lakonga, they're signing a guy from Anderlecht. Like he hasn't played at a high, you know, a very high level. Nuno Tavares, Benfica. So these guys are playing in Portugal and Belgium. Like, and they're both young. I just don't see these guys coming in and having immediate impact on this team that I think definitely needs it. So I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if Arteta's on the hot seat pretty early this season if things don't go well. And I, I don't know. I, I'm not very confident in the moves that Arsenal have made. I mean, they, it's kind of funny. They've gotten pulled into this little thing with Villa this summer because of the Emil Smith row bids coming from Villa. And then Villa mm -hmm. like swooping in and getting uh, Buendia, who was linked with different clubs like Arsenal. And it's just like, I don't, I don't really know what's going on with them because they are spending some money. Like when you have $50 million to spend on Ben White, uh, you have money to spend. So I'd be a little bit nervous for them. And I would say... 
Um, you know, as far as any like other signings that I think will be a bust, um, you know, I don't really know. I think it's a little bit tough to say at this point, but um, I, I don't know if you have any specific names. I mean, I'm thinking like most of the guys that are coming in late in the window, I have confidence in. Um, I, I'd say one guy that makes me a little bit nervous would probably be uh, Ibrahim Okanate at Liverpool. Um, he's a really, really like physically gifted center back. He's young, uh, very fast, very strong, big guy. He even says himself that he's not that gifted technically. I think he could end up being really, really good. Um, but that's the only guy that brought brought in right now. Um, and you think like from a Liverpool fan perspective, they obviously are getting guys back like Van Dyke, like Gomez. So you think that they're probably going to be upgraded in that regard. Um, but they, you know, they also lost Wijnaldum and they're going to lose Shakiri and I don't know. They haven't really reinvested much at all. They haven't been bringing in anybody. Yeah, which I think is a good segue to, you know, if you're thinking about Liverpool, what's going to happen to the top four? So next one, we'll, we'll preview the top of the table here and the bottom of the table. Um, Chris, do you want to go kind of first, second, uh, first, then first, and second, and second in that order, kind of like lay out our positions? Um, yeah, let's start with, I guess, we, well, we both have Man City winning the league. Right, we do. Yeah. Um, I'm not that confident with it, honestly. And the only really reason why right now is because I think that I still think they're the best team uh, in England, and I think that they got better by bringing in Jack Grealish, but they still don't really have a center forward, um, a true number nine. Gabriel Jesus is not that guy. Um, you know, they, they still are linked with Harry Kane, so if they bring in Kane, that changes everything. But, like, right now, I just don't know who's going to be playing up top unless they like go with a little bit of a false nine type thing with De Bruyne, but I don't feel that great about that. I just think that they're so solid defensively. They're really established there. I think they have the best manager in the Premier League, and it's really hard to pick against them. That's kind of my main reason, honestly. I think that the top four is a little bit of a crapshoot right now, but Man City seem like the obvious choice, and I, I don't really have a reason to not pick them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the only way a team passes Man City is, is if they go on a ridiculous run like Liverpool did for a season and a half where they were just, you know, were unbeatable um, and getting just an insane amount of results together. I think, you know, even you look at when Man City, when they finished second, I think they finished on like what, like, you know, 80 something points. Um, and uh, and so it's, yeah, it's going to be tough to beat them. So I have them finishing first as well. But again, not not insanely confident with with them because, not actually because of, a, you know, to discredit Manchester City, just because of how competitive the top four is uh, with all the summer business. Um, and the only other thing I will say is I, I do expect City's focus to, to really dial in on the Champions League this season because that's eluded them um, since Pep's been there. And uh, I expect them to go after that pretty hard this season, which which could impact their their Premier League race. I think it's a good uh, point. I still got that. Still got them at first. I think it's a good point. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk. Let's go team by team next, because me and you have the same two through four, all in different order. So let's go to mm -hmm. Liverpool next. You have Liverpool second. Tell me why you got them second. I have Liverpool second because I think that although they haven't done much business outside of signing, they haven't done any business outside of signing Konate, and it's and they've talked, you know, and Jurgen Klopp's given some press conferences around how they haven't done much business. Um, they have Van Dijk back, who you know is one of the best players in the world, let alone the Premier League. So um, Van Dijk coming back is huge. If they can get solid defensively and not concede goals. Um, uh, they obviously just had the Robertson injury, which turns out doesn't look as bad as it's going to be. That back four is, you know, and in, in Kanate ends up being strong next to Van Dyke, or, you know, even if someone else shifts in next to Van Dyke, like Joe Gomez, 
Van Dyke totally changes the way that team plays. If they don't concede goals, they're really hard to beat. And I think any team that doesn't concede goals is hard to beat. So that's why I have them in second. And I also think like Klopp is really going to ride the narrative around bouncing back from last season. And you know, there was a lot of a lot of bullshit that they had to deal with last season. A lot of you know, I don't I don't love Klopp, but I do think he's a good manager and. I think he's gonna really gonna ride the narrative with his team as like, hey, last season was a wash. We had a lot of injuries. We're basically a whole new team just because of the health of our squad. And you know, let's go and make a title push again. Yeah. So I, so, um, I think all good points. I have Liverpool in fourth, and I think that's for a couple of reasons. I'm a, I'm as big of a fan probably as there is of Virgil Van Dijk as a player. I think he's gonna be a huge boost to them. I think he was maybe the best player in the world, um, you know, two seasons ago. And I, I think it's kind of crazy to say, but he really was. I mean, he was right there for, um, you know, like with <laughs> with Messi and Ronaldo and whoever for Ballon d'Or talk and stuff. Like, he was that mm-hmm. good. Um, I think that my concern with Liverpool is that I just don't feel that strong uh, about their midfield right now. And I think that they're going to miss Gigi Wijnaldum more than people realize. I mean, that guy was a, a consistent player for them in the middle of the pitch. Just taking a guy like that out who's 31 years old and was um, a leader on that team, I think, is going to make an impact. They haven't done anything to replace him. I just don't think that they're that good. Like, who who plays for them in central midfield right now? You know, like, yeah, I mean, compared to the other teams at the top, I think that's – I think that they are probably the, the worst Obviously, they had – they had Thiago come in last season who was very, very overhyped and ended up being, you know, a big bust relative to how, how much everyone loved him. And I, I actually, I really like uh, uh, Curtis Jones there, who's who's a good young player, who I think is going to slot into that midfield, but potentially start. Um, and then if you look kind of like either side of Fabinho and holding midfield, and then if uh, they'll have Curtis Jones, they'll also have Thiago. Um, Navi Kaita is still in that team. Right, I don't feel. I mean, I like Fabinho, um, but those other names. Like, I like Curtis Jones too, but and James James Milner can slot into the middle as well. So, like, oh, I agree. I think that's their weakest spot on the pitch, though. I agree. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not really high on Liverpool right now. Um, and yeah, I mean, James Milner is 35. Like, we're talking about guys that like you. You don't rate Navi Kaita or <laughs> or Thiago. So we're talking about Fabinho basically in their midfield. And and Firmino too has not been the player he ha- he was the last couple of seasons. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they, I like Klopp too as a manager, so it could change. But um, let's let's talk about Chelsea next. So I have Chelsea second. You have Chelsea third, right? Yeah, and I honestly almost went impulse Chelsea to win the league, um, just because I mean Champions League winners. Um, I really think they're going to you know the inverse narrative to to what I was saying about Man City. They're going to go all in for the league this season, and and Tuchel, you know, did a really good job. Um, yeah, and, and I remember watching them lose to um, to Villa on the last game of the season. Um, and I think that this Chelsea team, when they're dialed in, they're about to. They're so hard to beat. They're so hard to beat. They play that five, you know, five of the back system with the wing backs, and they cram in the space on the outsides and make it really difficult with their outside central center backs. They're very, very quick and pacey. You think about Rudiger, Zuma, um, and but I I don't. I don't know. I, and I think Lukaku and that team adds a really devastating goal threat. Where I'm concerned with them is similarly to Liverpool, the middle of the park. Um, you know, Jorginho and N'Golo Kante in the middle there um, because they'll play kind of a 5-2-3, um, which obviously their wingbacks kind of go up into the midfield. And I'm just nervous about... Kante is basically running that, that midfield and, and Jorginho is... Um, 
you know, Conte's having everything down. Jorginho's got the pass. But I, I, it's a very small, diminutive central midfield, right? Like, um, it's not quite a Patrick Freer bossing things out in, in central midfield. So I think if, if there's a bit yeah, of steel in there, they could get pushed off the wall. Conte, though. I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of disagree there, and I, this is why I have them second. Um, so think about where they were at last year. Like, pretty much everything went wrong for them as far as the guys they brought in and how long it took them to adapt to the league. Um, you know, they, we were raving about their window, um, probably a little bit nervous because of how much money they spent. But I remember this time last year talking about the guys they're bringing in with Werner, with Havertz, um, having Pulisic, um, you know, obviously come that, that prior January. And Pulisic was hurt like all year. Werner obviously has become like a meme on the Internet for not being able to score goals at the back of the, the wide open net. And Havertz was really lost for the first half of the season and started to kind of find his way a little bit towards the end obviously scoring in the uh, the Champions League and then having a pretty good showing or decent showing, at least for Germany, in the Euros. But I think that Kaya Verts is going to have a bounce back year. Werner um, could definitely get a big boost by having Lukaku come into the team because Werner's probably not an out-and-out. He's just number nine for that, that team in the Premier League. He's probably someone that's going to be better suited to play off of um, Lukaku or play wide. And... I don't know. I mean, I think that that's going to prove to be a huge signing if they can bring him in, which sounds like it's all but all but finalized at this point for Lukaku. But, I mean, that guy is <laughs> – I don't really know if there's another, like, number nine I'd take in the Premier League over him besides probably Harry Kane. Um, yeah, I'd say this is a team that was, Holland, but Well, I'm saying that's actually playing the Premier League. But, oh, okay, um, you know, I, I think that, like, this is a Chelsea team that was really, really tough to score on. Since Thomas Tuchel came in, and having you know a little bit more time for them to just mesh together um, with his system, and just have some of these guys who they signed last year get another year of experience, I think they're going to be really, really good, really hard to beat, and I would not be surprised at all if they end up winning the league. But it's just going to depend on how quickly Lukaku just meshes in with the side, I think, and making sure that they can stay healthy defensively and in the central midfield. But yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Chelsea this year. Yeah, I think, um, and then and then uh, we've got Manchester United in different spots. So I've got United in fourth. You've got United in third. So again, to, to reiterate the top fours here, I've got Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, United. Chris has got Man City, Chelsea, United, Liverpool. Um, so I have United in fourth, um, and you have United in third. Why United in third behind Chelsea ahead of Liverpool? Um, I mean, I like no, United this year. Like I, I obviously raved about that Varane signing. Um, I'm a little nervous that Marcus Rashford is hurt right now. He was banged up a lot of last season as well. Um, I don't really feel like Edinson Cavani is the answer to them for a full season up top, even though he can be effective in bunches. And um, I guess the other thing is, I'm, I hate to say it, but I'm a little nervous for Jaden Sancho. I just feel like we just watched mm-hmm. all these guys come from the, the Bundesliga. We were just talking about with Chelsea, guys that were tearing it up over there. Um, and Jaden Sancho has absolutely been tearing it up over there. Uh, come over to the Premier League and just not adapt right away. There's going to be so much expectation on him at United. He's basically been linked with them for two years. He's an English player, um, and they finally brought him in. He's going to probably get thrown right into that team considering that Rashford is hurt, and I just don't know if he's going to have the impact that a lot of uh, United supporters are probably hoping that he does immediately. And Mason Greenwood still kind of hasn't shown that he can do it for a full season. Um, 
I don't know. I, I'm just not as confident with them. Um, I think they have a little bit. They have some more question marks, but at the same time, um, I obviously love the Varon move. I love him and uh, McGuire together. I think that they'll probably end up going with Dean Henderson in the net this season. I'm not really sure, but uh, I would like that move. And I don't know. I, if Pogba plays, that's a big. Qu- like, there's a lot of question marks around this team where I'm just like, there's a lot of egos, and I'm not really sure who's going to show up come October or November for United. Yeah, yeah. So for my end, I have United in fourth. And, and honestly, like part of the reason why I have the order in this way is just in terms of managerial pedigree. Um, I think if you think about the differences in these teams, they're all such talented squads. Um, they have such, you know global superstars. And I think United has a ridiculously talented team. And I think there's kind of two things that are going to happen this season. One, I'm a little concerned around um, – the Bruno effect wearing off a little bit. Um, you saw his pr- productivity numbers um, against the top six last season not be that strong, and then really kind of de- decline over the past, um, you know, the past probably eight to ten weeks or so. And so I'm a little nervous about his impact um, as being the guy who's getting goals, assists, goals, assists in, in in every single game that he was. You know, he was all over goal contributions um, since joining the Premier League in the January season before. Um, but, you know, this is his first pro- proper summer. So I'm curious to see if teams are better prepared to defend him. And then the uh, the second thing is I'm, I think Ole is going to get undone a little bit. Um, I, I, I rate the, the that management cohort of um, Tuchel, of Klopp, and Guardiola a lot higher than I do uh, Solskjaer. And you even think about the resumes there. He's a little out of his depth. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious if he gets some decisions wrong. I think so much of a longevity of the season has to do with managerial adjustments. And I, I just don't really know if he's going to be able to, you know, he hasn't hasn't done it before, so I, you know, I don't know if he's going to be able to string it together for a full season, especially after finishing second last season. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. So let's quickly gloss over the bottom three. We probably won't have as much time to or as much to talk about with these ones, but um, I'll just go in order for me. I guess I have right now. I have Newcastle in 18th, Watford 19th, Burnley 20th. Um, I mainly have Watford in 19th because I hate them. I just don't like them. It's definitely like. I mean, it's a little bit educated. I, I don't think they're that good either, but I just don't like Watford. Um, and I think that they're a yo-yo club that belongs in the championship, and I, I don't think they'll stay up. Newcastle and Burnley are just teams that have not been able to evolve, and they don't really – they haven't really brought in anybody. Um, I, I think that Sean Dyche is a good manager. I don't think that Steve Bruce is. But I, I just – I think like I'm getting to the point where I pick Burnley to go down every year. Um, they finished 17th last year, but they were clear by 11 points. So it's like, you know, were they really that close to going down? It's hard to say. Um, but it, it just feels like they've been hanging on a thread for five years. And uh, so I got, I got those three teams. I know that you don't like Steve Bruce either, um, but you, it looks like you have a little bit of a different list here. Yeah, so my bottom three, I've got Brentford finishing in 18th. I've got Norwich finishing in 19th. I've got Watford in 20th. So I've got all three of the clubs who just got promoted going straight back down. Um so, you know, kind of no surprises. In that regard, there's a couple of different reasons behind this. I mean, the main thing I'll say kind of going bottom to top or uh, is is Watford. I just watched Watford get absolutely 
passed around the uh, around the park by Crystal Palace in a preseason friendly. Um, Watford playing a majority of their starters. They just signed Jan Kuchka, who's like a 34-year-old Slovakian central midfielder. Um, they don't know what the hell they're doing, um, and they looked awful. So I think they're going straight back down. I think they're going to be the worst team in the league by a mile, kind of this year's West Brom. Um, after them, I think Norwich is is 19th. Norwich uh, unfortunately sold their best player in Emi Buendia. Um, of course, they still have Timo Pukki, who's a little bit older, or Todd Cantwell. But they're, they're kind of set up for the same campaign that they had two seasons ago. Um, they're going to play they have the same manager, um, Daniel Farka, and I think that they're going to play pretty attractive football. They'll have some signature wins, which will be great. You know, flashback to their Man City win two seasons ago. Um, they'll play good, a good brand of football, but they'll get muscled off the park, I think, by the likes of Burnley and Newcastle. Um, Set-piece heavy games, tough low-block games. Um, they just don't face those kind of defensive units in the championship, and so I think they finish 19th. And then 18th, I have Brentford. Um, you know, Brentford, I think, will will give a good run at it this season. I like Ivan Tony up top a lot, um, and the way that club's run, very, very analytical, uh, very data-driven, um, but I do think that they'll go straight back down. Um, I think that gap um, especially given the way they came up at the end of last season. I think it's, it's a huge gap for them to make. And I don't, obviously, they haven't made the signings, and their brand of football is going to stay pretty similar. So um, I kind of think about them as like a Huddersfield from a couple years ago. Oof, that's um, a tough comparison. So now we want to hear as a Brentford fan, a B supporter. I actually think Brentford will stay up. Um, the other two, I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, I have Watford down. Uh, Norwich wouldn't surprise me. I will say that um, look out for Christopher Ayer uh, signing from Brentford. Um, I'm a big fan of his. He's a, a center back, kind of defensive midfielder if, if he wants to be. Uh, like 6'5", and uh, I think he could make a big impact for them. But, yeah, I, I like Brentford. I like the way the club is run. I hope that they stay up. They're the, definitely the, the newly promoted team that I'm most excited to watch and see how they, they handle it. But, anyway, um, let's move on. Let's just rapid fire go Golden Boot and Player of the Year. Who do you got? Uh, Golden Boot, I have Danny Ings. And um, Player of the Year. I think Player of the Year is a little bit difficult because... <laughs> of uh, of just the makeup of the league. Um, if you want any context about the Golden Boot, I don't. No, I said I, rapid fire. I, just move on. <laughs> I'm actually dead serious. He's been up there in the top ten. I'm laughing because seasons. I know you're serious. Yeah, dead serious. Um, not even a homer pick. I think it's just. I think it's a good pick. I Harry like Danny Ings. Looks like he could be. Harry Kane looks like he could be out of the picture. So it's it's a wide open race this season. Um, and then uh, Player of the Year. This one I go back and forth on a lot. Um, I'm inclined to pick someone from the title-winning team. Um, and Ruben Diaz was really strong. I think Kevin De Bruyne was injured a lot of last season. So I'll, I'll go De Bruyne, especially with the addition of Grealish. I think that'll help him. Yeah, I'll go Lukaku, Golden Boot, and I will go De Bruyne as Wild Player of the Year. He's just the best player. There you go. I think it's not really debatable. Yeah. So it's hard to pick against him. Um, all right. Well, let's wrap it up with our predictor picks. So like you had mentioned, we're doing a new league this year. I'm going to give my uh, best go here at the letters and numbers. I know you, you messed it up a little bit. So it's tough. The league code is S9YQB6. Um, we already got a handful of people in there. It'll be fun to kind of have a fresh start on this one. I know Jack didn't uh, pick for like probably 20 weeks in a row last year and he fell out of the top 10, which is probably why he made a new league. Um, so no excuses this year, Ridge. Uh, we got a fresh start here. So first uh, match on the, the predictor app uh, is Leicester at home to Wolves. Who do you have? Um, I got Leicester winning 2-0 Wolves. Wolves, new manager, uh, no, no, no more Nuno. So I'm curious if they're going to be as difficult to beat, but I've got Leicester winning this one 2-0. I'm nervous about Wolves a little bit. Um, I also, I didn't mention anything, but I really like the Patson Daka signing. He's extremely fast for anyone who's unaware of him. So he should uh, fit right into that Jamie Vardy uh, hole that will be needed to fill in a couple of years here. But yeah, I got Leicester 1-0. 
Um, and I think that they're going to, you know, be the, just like they always have, pushing for top four, probably end up finishing somewhere between like five and eight. So um, next match, we have Chelsea at home to Palace. I'm going Chelsea 2-1. Palace, I think, are just going to be a very different look side, uh, looking side this year. Um, this is a matchup last year where I probably, probably would have picked them to not score, but I, I think they're going to have a little bit more firepower going forward under Vieira. Uh, but Chelsea are going to be a little bit too strong this one, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a really, really difficult fixture for Crystal Palace. First game of the season, they want to get off on, get off on a better, better foot under Vieira. Watch a lot of their preseason games, they, especially their game against Watford. They look really, really comfortable moving the ball from from side to side. And so there is a chance, I think, like you know, a fresh look Crystal Palace, like Leicester or Chelsea, won't know how to prepare for this game. Whereas if you were playing Palace the last three seasons, like you know exactly how you need to prepare for the game. So that's going to be a little interesting, um, kind of how they prep for a Vieira side and so I think maybe Crystal Palace pop up with a goal it's a really really difficult fixture for them to start the season away at Chelsea um, and so I've got 3-1 Chelsea winning gotcha okay uh, next one Norwich uh, back up in the Premier League at home to Liverpool I'm going Liverpool 1-0 I think they'll be a little bit slow out the gates but I do think that they're gonna be a lot better defensively I think they're gonna control this game no problem they just might not score till second half and then you know Salah or someone will bag one um, so I think they're going to win. It's going to be like a comfortable 1-0 win, I'll say, for Liverpool. Uh, so I've actually got 3-2 Liverpool winning. Reason being is I feel like when one of these recently promoted teams comes up in the first game of the season, it's always just like a barn burner, right? I think back to when Palace played Huddersfield a couple years <sighs> back in the first game. 3-0. Um, yeah, and, and just the newly promoted team are just like chomping at the bit. I think where they fall off starts to be – you know, after the first like five or six games pass and, and then they start to think, okay, shit, we've got to do this every week for, you know, 38, 38 games. So I've actually got Norwich coming out hot, maybe getting a goal or two early. Liverpool turn on the burners, end up winning the game 3-2. Okay. And then uh, Newcastle at home to West Ham is our fourth matchup. What do you like in that one? Yeah, so I, I actually think like this is going to be one of those. Um, this is going to be a very gritty game. I think West Ham will have most of the ball. They'll probably go one 0 up early. Maybe fail to double down on a lead, um, like a late like Kieran Cork set piece, John Oof. Joe Shelby bullsh- bullshit, um, and 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 Newcastle get get one like over the line like the eighty fifth minute, and it ends up one one. Okay, I so I know I was talking a lot earlier about West Ham how they haven't really done much to improve, but I still like that side. I think they were really good last year. Um, I still am back in, um, you know, some of these guys like Suchek and Kufal who had good uh, appearances in the Euros too. So I think they're going to come out the gates uh, pretty strong the first couple of months in the season. I'm a little bit more concerned with their depth now that they're playing in Europe. But I'm going to go 2-0 West Ham on opening day. I think um, Steve Bruce is just going to be on the hot seat all season long. Uh, it's kind of the way I like mm-hmm. it. Yeah, exactly. And then last game we got Tottenham versus Manchester City. A big game week one. This is kind of the headliner and then the first week who you got. Um, two nil city. Uh, we'll see. It sounds like Harry Kane might play for Spurs, which would be really interesting considering he's linked with the move to the team they're going to be playing. Um, but no, I think uh, city city's big enough for the occasion on the, the first week here to go away against a, a bigger club and win. I, I think that they'll they'll be all right. I don't. Do you think Grealish is going to start? I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really too fussed about the Grealish starting situation. Not really sure what's going to happen there. But I do think like this is a game that Man City also win 2-0. That's my pick as well. Um, and I think that it's going to be one of those when City kind of controls it throughout. You'll see this will be one of those games where like one of those sort of fringe attacking players that City have, like you know, Riyad, Riyad Mahrez, Raheem Sterling, Ferran Torres, Torres yeah. Gabriel Azurs, like all these guys who kind of pop up who are like, 
you know, pretty good. Um, but, you know, in the summer, I haven't really been in the spotlight the entire time. Like, one of these guys will pop up, um, draw a penalty. I feel like it's going to be Ferran Torres, man, because everyone's going to be starting all these other guys in their fantasy Premier League lineups, and Ferran Torres is going to go out and bag up race or something. Yeah, it's going to be one of those. Where, like, one of those players who no one's thinking of, who, like, hasn't had a big Euros, like a lot of their team yeah. um, will go out and, like, have a, have a good game, and they'll win 2-0. Yeah, I agree. So, well, those are our picks. Again, league code S9YQB6. It's the NBC Sports Predictor app. Uh, really easy to join. can win some free money. Uh, also, give us a follow on Twitter, at GoesToShowPod, and on Instagram, at JustGoesToShowPod. Um, all I had, anything else in your mind, Jack, you want to go over? No, that's it. Obviously, we're buzzing for the season, um, so we're going to be having you know content coming through um, as the season progresses. Anything you guys want to hear from, obviously, let us know. Um, I got a couple of suggestions around like the non-footballing aspect of footballers' lives uh, that my sister was. She was also men- recommending some fantasy stuff. We might do a little bit of fantasy stuff if people are into that too. So, um, right. yeah, we're open to ideas. I'm sure uh, Alex Zerman will be tweeting at us the second we release this. So. I'm looking forward to that. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to this season. It should be a great weekend. Yeah, cheers, guys. As always, just goes to show. Everybody's human.